The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder, and me. Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, we're closing in on, hopefully, I say, uh, I say it this way to avoid, you know, any jinxes. We're closing in on champagne bottles, Adam. The Milwaukee Brewers have taken three out of four games from the St. Louis Cardinals to continue their um, just, uh, a sense, not the right word, but just charge towards the... uh, the National League Central Division title. Uh, the Cubs are playing the Pirates right now, so we don't know if their magic number will be three games as it sits right now or two games if the Cubs lose to the Pirates. But things continue to trend in the right direction. We're coming to you, uh, showing you how the sausage is made. Kind of a weird recording hour for me and Adam doing this. I'm I'm off and out and about tomorrow. Adam's just come from a gig to see the National Band we both love. So I got to say, even with the weird timing, the vibes the vibes are good because of the Brewers, and you know the vibes are good because of friendship and music. So, before we get into the games, how you doing, Adam? I'm doing well. Uh, the National, of course, hail from a city of one of the Brewers' division rivals. Uh, I don't know. Are they Reds fans? I don't know if they like baseball. But... Not sure. Um, good band, though. Great question. Yeah. Good. Good gig. I enjoyed it. And it was great to come out of it and find out, oh, 
the Brewers shoved the Cardinals' face in the mud again. Uh, because that's a game that I have not seen any of. You'll be very much in Andrew's hands, listeners, for that section of the podcast. But the Brewers just keep doing the thing. They keep doing what we ask them to do. And beyond that, like they're just very much like one of the best teams in baseball at the moment. And very much if we were to... If we wanted to cherry pick, I know it's been a a topic of conversation, you know, when we set these dates. Shout out to Bally Sports Wisconsin employee Logan in the Discord. Um we can certainly find windows where the Brewers are far and away the best team in baseball. And it's not that hard. You don't have to cherry pick too hard. Um I I sent to you and I'm probably way behind everyone else is probably lapping up earlier. Adam McAlvey had a really interesting stat that's kind of eye-opening and says something certainly about how one part of the Brewers game is functioning at the moment, which was that from uh, today's post-game notes, Brewers pitchers haven't surrendered double-digit hits in any of the last 26 games, MLB's longest streak since the Nationals in 2018. No team has gone 27 games without lo- allowing more than nine hits since the 1968 Orioles had a 30-game streak. 68, Andrew. That's uh, We're going back to like the entire history of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, that's, that's how far that's going back. It would be nice if the Brewers could do that and maybe chase down that 30, but wow, what a, what a run it has been. And it's kind of, it has felt like that from a pitching perspective and also then not sometimes, I don't know. Um, but very cool stuff to see and just we can have no complaints with how the Brewers' form has been for quite a while now. Crogest into Craig Tember, I guess, has been the story of the last two months. Adam, and you saying 1968 is a name that, or a year that really sticks out in my mind, because that was a year that was dubbed the year of the pitcher. Um, mm. a, a year that saw Bob Gibson of the Cardinals lead the National League with 268 strikeouts and have a 1.12 ERA. So that was a year that was highlighted by pitching dominance. And obviously um, you have uh, the Orioles that you mentioned who I believe were the AL runners up that year. So to do something on the mound that uh, harkens back to something close to that season is pretty special. So that's a, a great stat you point out. Um, I mentioned 68 as the year the books were founded. The Brewers didn't come into existence uh, as the Seattle Pilots until a year later. So this is something that hasn't been achieved in the entire existence of the Brewers. They have a chance to go out there and match that feat in their next game. But we'll get to the next games later. Yeah, do you want to take a, a hop around uh, some happenings around the Brewers before we get into these games, Adam? Sure, why not? Uh, I'll start with Christian Yelich. He's not been added to the IL, um, but he has still continued to miss baseball games. Uh, the suggestion from all involved, um, obviously he's missed 11 of his last 12 games going into today, um, depending on when this article was updated. Um, I think uh, today, yes, makes it um, 11 out of the last 12. Um, it seems like he's trending well based on everything they say. Um, Craig Council said uh, more along the lines of, things are good right now they don't need to rush him everything they say is 
uh, around optimism, although we've heard that all the time this year with injuries and timelines uh, keep getting pushed off. But for now, the Brewers continue to do this damage with Christian Yelich out of the lineup. Um, happier news, Jackson Chorio uh, promoted to AAA Nashville. And uh, his first hit was an RBI opposite field double. He's also had an RBI single since then. Um, haven't seen what he's doing in tonight's game, so I don't have an update there. But uh, box office, I, Biloxi... I, can, I can give you the update because it's a good one. Oh, go ahead. Um, so Alcantara is on the mound against him tonight. So from from Kurt Hogue, friend of the pod, Jackson Cheerio with a 104.4 mile per hit off the reigning Cy Young winner. Also hit a ball 97.5 in his first at bat. He is 19, you might have heard. So that's, that's things, pretty good. Things are going good. Uh, the box office, Biloxi, we obviously talked about all season. In Nashville right now, we've got Garrett Mitchell uh, rehabbing. We've got Joey Weimer trying to figure things out. We've got Tyler Black uh, going on a tear. Um, and obviously, we've got Chorio uh, in that lineup as well. So, you know, I think we had box office blocking. Now we've got the Showtime sounds for the last week of their season. Uh, you sent me a tweet earlier today um, about how well Tyler Black's performed. I said this uh, to our friends in the Discord earlier in the week is like he just had to get past having me watch him play baseball. And then he was really going to click on. It's happened before. It'll happen again with prospects. I am a jinx. But uh, 290, 413, 4889 slash line. Um, and 26 walks to 22 strikeouts since being called up to AAA. You know, we hoped we'd see him uh, when the calendar flipped to, to September. That was not the case. But I think we're going to have be having a very real conversation in the middle of the offseason about Tyler Black opening day third baseman. So that's that's exciting as well. Also worth noting, Joey Weimer crushed a home run uh, yesterday for the Sounds too. So good given... I mean, his lack of at-bats and then his struggles when he's had at-bats with the Brewers, that scene as he's down there, that he is showing some of that pop. I don't know exactly when the last Weimer home run with the Brewers was, but it feels like a while ago. He went through a nice run that got him, I believe, into double figures. I think he's got maybe 10, 11. If not, he's just below that. Um, But that was good to see. On Yelly, just on that, I know you have a a concern, a fear, and I think Brandon Woodruff is the source of that when the Brewers kept saying positive things. I think the key difference is Woody was not saying those positive things. Uh, Craig Council was, the Brewers were. I remember us talking on the pod after the first kind of clips of Woody came out and maybe like, yeah, he's much more cautious with his timeline than the organization are. Yelly himself, I believe, earlier today was saying he's feeling much better that he worked out before yesterday's game and that he plans to return to the lineup in Miami. So maybe they won't do that because why would you if you don't have to? I mean, just have him come back, say, for the Cub series to close out the season and knock some rust off, but otherwise rest up. Um, but I do think that's something that I hope will soothe your concerns somewhat. Yelly himself is on the same page as the Brewers with this. I don't think it's a case where Woody was definitely more cautious than what the Brewers originally were putting out when he had his injury earlier in the season. Uh, I would love to be soothed, 
so would love to see Yelly back in the lineup. I think uh, they've done well without him. But when the playoffs come around, I think we want uh, Yelly and those on-base skills that he showcased in the middle of the season. Obviously, uh, he's had some struggles, and that might be related to playing through pain uh, in the second half of the season. But want to see what he's got, and obviously they're better with him. Um, other things around baseball, Thiago Rivera was placed on the IL, I think, since the last time we talked. That might have been last episode, but I don't remember. Car- Colin Ray uh, was recalled. Brewers went to the, the six-man rotation. Well, a quasi-six-man rotation because in a game we're about to talk about, uh, Trevor McGill served as the opener, and uh, Colin Ray followed him uh, in that role. Uh, I guess the last, or no, there's it's a busy week. Uh, Elvis Pagaro placed on the I.L. Julio Tehran reinstated. Um, This one is probably more concerning than Yelich's because it comes with a degree of uncertainty. Um, He's been placed on the I.L. with a right elbow effusion. There's been swelling in the elbow. Um, They're saying that this, uh, you know, this ends his regular season. And I think this is going to put the bulk of the seventh, eighth, ninth inning uh, workload on the shoulders of Abner Uribe, Hobie Milner, Trevor McGill, Yo Piamps, who's struggling himself. Um, so yeah, losing a guy who had become a key cog in late innings for portions of the season, obviously we've seen the struggles lately, but uh, definitely concerning. And you wonder if this is something that will keep him out of um, or keep him off of the playoff roster. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it for quite a while now. We talked about it when Piguero hit his first slump, but now Piamps has already gone through. Piguero had looked like he was coming out and pitched pretty well yeah. um, the past couple of weeks. Those two guys in particular, though, have been pushed beyond the level that they have ever pitched at in their careers, just in terms of innings pitched, in terms of the volume of work, and the quality of work that's come with that, too. Um, so for a guy like that who has found himself in that spot to pick up any kind of injury at this point in the year it's definitely concerning um the pie amps of it all concerns me too because as much as i have all fate in abner i do think there is a little bit of a lack of clarity in terms of just how how things would shake out i guess the flip side of that is in a playoff setting a lot of this is different and guys who are starting games at the back end of your rotation may well have bullpen opportunities, or certainly if you're Colin Rays or Julio Tehran's guys like that, maybe there's spots for them. We'll see. Um, so you might have different options than the kind you're looking at right now. But yeah, it would be it'd be nice. It'd be very nice to have Elves Piguero fit and firing and able to contribute to the Brewers in the postseason because he's been one of their better arms all year. Yeah, and that uh, brings me to, I think, one last update uh, before we get to one last update. JC Mejia uh, tested positive for oh performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, 162 game suspension for him. Let's read that season line for Mejia. 11 and a third innings pitched in the big leagues for the Brewers this year. 5.56 ERA. Second strike on positive test for Mejia. That's what you're putting 
enough while using performance enhancing drugs. Just imagine if he would even be in baseball if he wasn't. Listen, the slider was sliding, Andrew. It was really sliding. It really uh, was. It was. It was all the juice. It was all the juice. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I find this weird. This is a part of baseball that I haven't had to have too much dealings with with the Brewers so far. Um, what was I'm now blanking? Who was the backup catcher? Was Pedro Severino? Was that who it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean, obviously that turned out for the best, not necessarily for Severino, but for the Brewers getting Caratini worked out pretty nicely. Um, and yeah, then you've got the JC Mejia of it all. Like I, I don't know, I don't know what the point was on the gamble posts. You know, the first PD, um. Offense and yeah, just I I found even this the statement to be very amusing that it really is just like nothing to do with us, you know. Yeah, throw the book at him, Your Honor. So yeah, you would never have guessed the baseless performance, as you said, but not great. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, the last thing to talk about is the Republicans unveiled their uh, American Family Field um, maintenance and upgrade funding proposal. Um, so I don't have that breakdown in front of me, but it would be six hundred million dollars uh, of public money. The Brewers putting in a hundred uh, million. Uh, we'll probably wait to go deeper on this later towards the middle of the off season, maybe see if we can get some guests to come on and shed some more light. But just my initial takeaway is this feels like, you know, a boxing match where Tony Evers proposal earlier this year was the first round. And this is the second round. And it's kind of far from being a sure thing because there are a lot of things when you read the finer details that I think are not very appealing to a lot of people and some things that need to be changed. If this is going to be a real thing. 
I mean, the big thing for me, the big thing for us being there, and we've talked about this a lot about finding the stadium to be really, really good and very pleasant and okay, you need to keep it that way. Uh, the biggest issue is the parking lots. Um, the biggest issue is that it is all tailgating, that there's nothing else. Maybe that was more jarring to us because we came straight from Wrigleyville uh, to see the Brewers at AmFam, and that's my experience of two ballparks. I know which ballpark I prefer a whole lot more, um, but if I was like investing money and looking to develop something, I know which kind of model I'd want to uh, to embrace. I think this is going to get really nasty. I, I really think this is going to get really messy. And what I mean by that, and I think this is why it's essential that we do get some more local voices than you know me and you yeah. uh, on this subject is... I know there is a lot and there has been a lot since the Brewers kind of landed at their current location um, and really just tied into, I guess, the history of Milwaukee baseball about the demographics of all of this and about who cares about the Brewers, who spends their money on the Brewers and where do those people come from? And I've seen these debates like, you know, on uh I'm still calling it Twitter when it'll just throw up suggested tweets. I've had tweets suggested where it's it's people in Milwaukee who are talking very strongly about the feeling that, you know, Milwaukee needs to factor into this either more centrally, if if there's gonna be a lot of funding coming from there and that the development has to serve Milwaukee, that Milwaukee will be more of a beneficiary than the state. And also noting that, well, so many of the fans who come to Brewers games are from other parts of the state and they should be contributing too. And then you see people from other parts of the state who bristle at the idea that they just come to Brewers games and they leave and they shit talk Milwaukee and never spend the cent there the rest of the year. All that is very messy. And it's something that I'm just aware of in years of, you know, getting to know and talk to Wisconsin sports fans. Like there is an issue that is an underlying one. And I don't think it's unique to the Brewers. You can probably even speak to this with the franchise you uh, had a whole lot of experience with before this and that with a lot of these kind of suburban-esque stadium setups, it creates some issues and it, it creates some real challenges. And I think even if a lot of the politicking gets actually smoothed out and that's just kind of a matter of time and it'll, a matter of kind of trading off this and that till we, we reach a, a conclusion. I do think the wider discourse is not necessarily going to be good. It won't be good for the brewers. And I also just don't know if they care or are even like awake to that. I, they really might be oblivious to the kind of things that I think are important. And again, maybe it's a larger off season topic we could talk about, but I, the Brewers do a really good job at a lot of things, but I don't know if they make necessarily the people of Milwaukee feel like it's their team in a way that, so say, the Bucks have been able to manage to do. And also, I'd be then, even harsher than that in a minute. Well, um, I say you want to bring actively... in everything else in the state, but that's a tough challenge, too, for a whole variety of reasons. I mean, one of which being the Green Bay Packers. But I, I just... I. That's that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I do. I am the outsider, so people can disregard my opinion however they see fit on this. I do think the idea that, you know, the brewers are standing up and they're talking about how important tailgating culture is. I My reaction to that is shut up. 
you don't need that many parking lots. You can have a tailgating culture and also have places for people to eat and drink and come and hold events on non-game days or out of the season and actually do something that contributes more jobs to the local economy, pumps more money in and makes you the thing at the center of a space. I, It's insane to me that they can be in the same city as the books, watch what happened to Pfizer form, what happened around the books championship run, all of those people coming out, all those people spending money in all of the areas, the restaurants, the bars around that. And their response to be, no, our tailgating culture is important. And we got to protect that. Like, we we talk a lot about the money that's there to be put on the field and the money that isn't, and they're talking about the money they need for a new a new stadium. I can give you one way where more money could be made by all parties here, <laughs> and and that would be by building out some infrastructure and actually making this the center of an entertainment hub of the city, rather than just this is where we come for baseball games. We come, we watch them, we leave, and we don't think about it again until we go back there. I say that with fondness, like you and I stayed right in that area. Not a whole lot there, Andrew. There's not a whole lot there. So I just, I think that's a no-brainer, but we'll see how all of it plays out. And I'm excited and interested to talk about it some more with maybe some people who have different perspectives on it and most importantly have the local perspective on it. That whole thing that you talk about was the thing that I found most distasteful, the messaging about the why, because it weaponized an argument against two different sides of the fan base. Um, And it doesn't have to be like that. That's disingenuous. And I'm being careful about how I talk about this. And you know that for obvious reasons. But tailgate is great. It's a fun time and a way for families to like or and people and groups to get together and affordably eat before a game, drink before a game, throw the football cornhole whatever it may be it's a great time it's not for everyone some people want to go to a bar they want to go to a restaurant they want to have that sort of experience and i think there's a way to keep your quote-unquote tailgate culture and have that option for people but also like you said invest in the area and build up the infrastructure and have like more of a entertainment based kind of component to that it's it's a why not both scenario for me uh I tailgate all the time. I go to NC State football games. I go to Hurricanes games. The arena, PNC Arena in Raleigh, where um, Carolina Hurricanes play, and their latest round of uh, renovations and the deal that was made for that, they're building a outdoor entertainment area with a concert venue and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, everyone's trying to copy the Braves um, with the battery and have something like that. They got tailgate lots too. So you don't have to like, pit two sides of the Milwaukee Brewers fan base, one that likes to do one thing, one that sees a vision for the future, and make them fight amongst themselves, because that's what was intended by those kind of comments. Uh, There's also uh, I think part of it that like this should be your opportunity as the Brewers to be like, what are the obstacles to us selling out our stadium every single game day? And part of the reason for the tailgate culture and I would say probably one of the obstacles too to getting more people involved and bringing more people is the location and the lack of public transport, you know, running to it, making it easy. We heard a lot, and you know, for some of our friends, like shuttles from from various local bars is like their go-to. Is like that's how you get there. 
It's like you do that or you're walking. It's so this should be like the brewer's way to to come to the state to come to the city and be like, okay, what can we do to make this a more integrated part of the rest of the city? How can we get more people out there? And if you could find ways to do that, um, I I don't want to go deep on like what the what the current routing of uh, the hop is, Andrew. I don't know how far, how close, <laughs> but something like that is like your your solution where all of a sudden you can get away with fewer parking lots and it what makes it worthwhile for something like that to go out there is having things other than a stadium that's going to be empty for large portions of the year it's like and it, this is this is your chance to make the case and to build something that is better suited all around and i, I really feel like that is kind of future proofing the organization in a way that they're not considering. And I don't know, the Brewers' official lines are not reassuring in terms of just the vision on this. It it like it would be great if all of this goes true from the sense of we want the Brewers to stay in Milwaukee and we want them to be tied in for a long time. Rich Schlesinger's comments that he gave on TV and he gave around that, I just feel completely out of touch with like modern sports to me. And I just I to have concerns about that because the brewers should be taking this as, as an opportunity how do we kick on excel how can we level up as a business and you know take what's already a really strong and consistent fan base and leverage that into an advantage on the field in a way that like plenty of their rivals do too i mean it, it just seems like it should be the obvious thing particularly when so much time is spent talking about what the Brewers can spend, can't spend on the field, off the field. This is your opportunity to increase your income, you know, day to day and throughout the year. Everyone, everyone involved should be committed and interested in that. It's to the benefit of all parties, like if you're to find agreements for that. I I know how tribal, I, <laughs> I'm familiar with... Uh, I guess the tenor of Milwaukee local politics. This is not my first stadium rodeo. <laughs> I still just think there's a way for the brewers, for the city and for the state to come out winners in this. It doesn't feel like the proposal is doing that. Are there really anyone is going out of their way to make those suggestions? This just feels like a, Oh, can we, can we work out a way to get the money together and just keep doing what we're doing? Great. Which, why do it then? Like, let's level up. Let's get better. And we'll, we've gone longer than we planned to already on this. Um, I, I do think it's a really interesting conversation when the possibilities remain open and we can talk about the hypothetical of what it could be, what it likely won't be. I would go as far as to say already. Um, but yeah, we'll. We'll recruit maybe some fellow GSPN friends, maybe some some guests from outside of that, and hopefully we'll have um, not just a conversation, probably multiple conversations about this over the weeks and months ahead into into the off season. But for the time being, playoff baseball is is almost locked up. It's almost here. Yeah, and before I I'll, I'll move on very quickly, but I'm always when we have a, have these discussions, very cognizant of being the outsider so that's why like don't come down with a definitive thing other than going to a bar before a game's great but so is uh taking 12 miller lights to the head 
and grilling up uh, sausages in a parking lot. Both of those things can exist and are good and fun. Like, the, um, you know, does we, anyone want to do the same thing every single time? Is also like some people gar- might, some people don't. I guarantee you, you might have more people who are interested in tailgating if it's not the only thing that they can do. Like, if the game day experience can be, oh, we're going to the game. Well, what do we want to do? Will we drive to the game and we tailgate? Uh, will we, you know, get imaginary public transport that I'm dreaming up and we're going to get there and, oh, there's all these great bars and restaurants and why don't we go early and we'll meet friends and we'll... And all of a sudden, there are multiple different ways that you can build your game day experience as opposed to, and like, we we experienced this, we experienced this on, like, the tour of the stadium. Like, yeah. they are very proud of it, but they literally, it is framed to you as this is what it is. Like, this is what you do. You're coming here and you're tailgating. It's like, is anyone tailgated yet? Is anyone tailgating today, tomorrow? Like, that's that's their whole thing. It's like, listen, that's great. Don't kill that. That's important. It's part of your tradition. But you could have that and more. Just just think of the possibilities. And this is also me saying, um, as a lifelong tailgater in, in North Carolina, I'm open to any of your invites to your tailgates when I'm in Milwaukee next year. I will not show up empty-handed. I will bring beer. I will bring... Um, I'll bring dogs. I'll bring burgers. What do you need? I'll pick it up and come to your tailgate. We'll have a great time. Uh, Adam, do you want to talk about the real reason we watch this team? Because they're a very well-run organization on the field that win baseball games. You're saying you don't watch for the politics? I sure don't. Um, I've been dreading this podcast just for that reason. I was like, ballpark updates. Um, I, I, I much more prefer the episodes we're going to have in November where I'm just like coming to you like Charlie day with the board behind me with all of the prospects from like American league East teams uh, that the Brewers could trade for anyway. uh, Game one of this series did not go well for the Brewers. It went well for a long time Brewers nemesis and Adam Wainwright, a guy uh, who at the, this point in his career, seems like an old gunslinger who's just got one more one more bullet left left in the barrel, and I think he fired that against the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I don't know if he's uh, got another start this year. Obviously, he would line up to have another start. Um, he doesn't need him now. I mean, that's uh, they, I, they got I the think, last though. That was it. Like, there's zero reason for him. Uh, to do that i would just ride out like on guy's shoulders um but yeah adam wainwright in what may be the final service career haven't seen any updates on that only saw what the uh mlb tonight guys were speculating after the game adam wainwright comes up there spinning curveballs 84 mile an hour fastballs he got up to 87 i think at one point in the middle of the game which really felt like a empty in the tank situation goes seven innings uh, just allows four hits, two walks, three strikeouts. All smoke and mirrors, or all all devil magic, Adam, as you, as you noted to me uh, privately, as that's what the Cardinals have been known for. Obviously, they're not going to the playoffs this year. They've had a terrible year, but Adam Wainwright still had one less thing or one last thing to give the Brewers um, before he left. Freddie Peralta was excellent. Uh, six innings pitch, four hits, the one earned run, no walks, six strikeouts. What we've come to expect expect from the second half version of Freddie allowed a solo homer to Wilson Contreras in the fourth inning. Admiral Rebe looked great in a scoreless inning, uh, strikes out to Bryce Wilson, throws a scoreless inning after allowing a hit, and uh, that was that. Uh, the Brewers couldn't put anything together against Wainwright or John King or Ryan Helsley, who 
pitch and relief for Wainwright. Over four runners in scoring position, five left on base. Um, and yeah, just uh, like one of those things that I think if you if you scrolled along the Twitter uh, timeline, everyone seemed to have the same lament. And I, looking back after three consecutive wins, it's funny now almost, but it was just like, of course this would happen. Of course Adam Wainwright would do this. I think people also got very antsy, and it's happened quite a bit of late, where um, obviously this came off the back of the extra innings loss to the Nationals, where it was one run scored, I believe. Yeah, it was 2-1. Um, so one run scored by the Brewers. So one run scored across two games, and all of a sudden, like, you open up Twitter, and it's all, this offense, this offense, you know, they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. How could they? And it's like... Guys, it's fine. I mean, I'm not I'm not that person to be like, guys, the offense is fine, but it is and has been kind of fine. Um it's probably worth remembering the next time, you know, they get shut out or something, that that has not been the story of their season, certainly the latter parts of their season. And yeah, that happens to every team now and again. Um, the Brewers at least have the advantage that their pitching is keeping them in all those games. But yeah, you follow that up by seven, eight, and six, and with your run totals in the three um subsequent days. So I think it's just worth noting. Yeah, sure. I I mean, everyone wants to ruin Adam Wainwright's day and put on that. I I don't know about that either. Honestly, I this might be popular. Like. His curveball is a nasty pitch, and it was nasty. I don't know where he pulled it from, because uh, by all accounts, and uh, look at his ERA, he has not had it this year. But he pitched really, really well. And when, when he is on still, you know, old bag of bones that he is, that is a pitch that is incredibly hard to hit. Like, it's it's not like the Brewers are the first team. They may well be the last team. Uh, but they certainly weren't the first team that he's done this to in his career. And it was one of those games where from early on, can't remember now, it's four-game series is the problem. You don't remember to who or what inning. But very early, he had one curve, which is one of the nastiest curves I've seen in quite some time. Um, and you're just like, yeah, okay, that's uh, that's a tough pitch to hit. And yeah, I guess it just it played out that way for the night. But... I don't care. Let him let him have his milestone, and he's gone now. You know, it's you've you've vanquished him to another realm, and the Cardinals have been sent with him. So I, I don't care. Good, good for you, Adam Wainwright. It's fine. Brewers don't have to worry about him again. And they came out of came out of that uh, enemy territory with a series win. So yeah, I, I mean, in hindsight, who cares? Yeah, I forgot to mention it was two hundred two hundredth career win. That's why we were making uh yes. a lot about of it uh, a lot about it. So that's my bad for not bringing that up. Forty two years old, entered Monday with the worst numbers of basically any starter w- pitching this season with that much workload. Seven nine five ERA, uh, <laughs> fourteen hits per nine innings, one point nine eight WHIP, minus two point four wins above replacement according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and then. Uh, in his career against the Brewers going into that game. Um, 54 games, 315 innings, uh, 2.74 ERA, and 21, I now think 22 uh, wins against the Brewers. 
or that oh yeah coming in um so there you go um adam wainwright gone uh second consecutive year i guess a nl central villain is leaving yadier molina last mm-hmm. year Cardinals villain. Gone. yeah to be more specific long long may they keep leaving yeah i mean you know he's uh a newer version of this uh but paul goldschmidt's getting up there in age you know what are they gonna do with him i don't know some, there was some no Arenado are... trade talks right around the deadline so Who yeah knows? It, yeah yeah could be more continued disarray and uh upheaval and we probably don't want them to do too goes. much and, and get hauls for anything um so like let's keep this all within reason yeah, Ali Marmol. They they said they're bringing him back. Obviously, we had some fun making fun of their clubhouse Discord earlier in the season. So just keep those toxic vibes coming. Well, it, it is just on you mentioned that. Like you look at the season and the numbers that uh, Wilson Contreras has ultimately put together. Like he's had a Wilson Contreras level season hitting, and he hits the run for this game his home run and you're just like what was what were they doing the whole thing what were they doing the, the guy was just there and he was turned into just the weirdest like scapegoat and they basically tanked their season early with that whole like bizarre kind of happening where i've never seen like really i'm trying to think across sports like he was vilified so quickly which i guess yeah, it's not hard to vilify Wilson Contreras, and they've had to play against them with the Cubs and stuff too. So, I'm sure they felt a lot like Brewers fans feel every time they they see him. Love his brother. Uh, maybe you know, maybe we like Wilson by association more now, just for having helped, you know, to shape William to to help spur him on to this point. But I just like that is that is the point where the wheels came off. What should have been a good Cardinals team again this season. That was right from the jump. And it's saying now when you look at him having uh oh, what are what is his OPS? Um didn't play today. We'll get there, Andrew. We'll find it. Um he's got a three fifty eight slug. OPS. Yeah, four sixty seven or yeah, three fifty eight OBP, four sixty seven slug. So good year. Um, Adam Wainwright also when they were like interviewing him on the field post game made a point of like shouting him out to the crowd being like this guy he's gonna be here for a while and like should should the uh should the Cardinals just make Adam Wainwright their manager I know nothing about his tactical acumen but his vibes you know seem a lot better than Ollie Marmel well that actually seems pretty smart I mean is baseball more of a sport where you think you can get away with that too with a manager than than maybe some other sports like I don't know if you it. want. I don't know if you want. To, well, actually, we know you don't want, um, like, uh, your star point guard to just immediately go and become a head coach, or, you know, can't think of maybe you definitely be better positioned to correct me if I'm forgetting obvious ones. Can't think of too many quarterback head coaches in the NFL. Are there great quarterback coaches? I'm not thinking of. Great, I don't know of. I mean, the only coach that, or the best coach in the NFL right now, is uh, a five foot nine guy with glasses. I'm on the Mike McDaniel hive, so that's neither here nor there. It's great that you uh, can, you know, you can see excellence voted him and yourself. Um, yeah, I, I do. 
I do enjoy it. Um, I'm trying to think of guys like I don't know of guys like walking right off the field and it or right off the field also, and then, the then, and to, then back to onto that the question field. Too pitchers. What kind of managers do pitchers make, or how often does that happen? Because again, I guess, and this is this is in all sports. Um, the big money positions are not always generally the ones that will turn out the managers. Because guess what? Those guys don't always need to go and be managers right after they finish, unless they're complete sickos. And if they're complete sickos, even a lot of them are like, yeah, I want to be in the front office. A lot of times it's like guy retires, goes and does TV. Or I say it a lot of times. I have two that I'm thinking of in my mind. Uh, guy retires, goes and does TV old team panic hires him like david ross or like uh aaron boone and they're good um they're not looking good right now um but i have have never been impressed with david ross's management at all in any of these uh cubs games that i've seen over the last few years so i'd say he should i i have seen some praise from him in recent days i have also seen cubs fans being like uh yeah, we could miss the playoffs here. He should be fired. And you know what? I think they're probably right. Uh don't know if we want that, but I think down three might be three right. nothing in the seventh. Well, they might miss the playoffs. And then if that's the case, he should be fired. But maybe keep him long term extension. Who knows? I think so. I mean, anyone can that can get themselves that worked up over a roof is just not built for war, in my opinion. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Going off the rails on this one. That's my bad. Uh, moving on to game two of the series. Uh, Trevor McGill as the opener against um, Drew Rom, And McGill struggles to start off the game. Uh, Alec Burleson uh, hits a ground rule double to score Lars Newtbar. Makes it one nothing. Nolan Arenado's sack fly. Uh, scores Burleson to make it 2 nothing. Uh, is this the game Burleson would get hurt in with, with Josh Donaldson? Slapping a hard tag on him, but the injury really being when he jammed yeah. his thumb into the base. Jammed uh, his thumb. Yeah, Burleson's since gone on the IL, so um, injury there. Um, Colin Ray uh, entered for McGill in the second inning, and Colin Ray special four and two-thirds innings, three hits, one run. It was earned three walks, two strikeouts. Uh, Brewers uh, got some runs back in the third. William Contreras, home run to make it two to one Cardinals. Then in the fourth, the hit parade, kept rolling the double parade kept rolling josh donaldson double to left scoring willie adamas tyrone taylor doubles to score josh donaldson that makes it three to two south freelick doubles to make it four two mark canna grounds into a fielder's choice uh in a play where andrew kisner was trying to turn the double play by throwing the second and then get the out at first probably should have tagged south freelick out at home he didn't canna beats out the throw to first just barely perkins was nearly saved at second as well um and it's five two um, after the f- top of the fourth inning, Brewers just put the doubles together in that inning. Um, but yeah, uh, got off to a tough start with the opener plan not working as it, uh, as well as it worked against the Marlins. Uh, but Colin Ray came in and actually looked really good. It would allow a solo homer uh, to Richie Palacios in um, the bottom of the fifth inning. That made it 5-3 Brewers. Uh, Colin Ray exits or Hobie Milner, who would get the final out of the sixth inning, I think it was. And uh, Abner Rebay comes on, provides a scoreless inning. Um, had a walk, uh, but then settled down uh, and got through the rest of it. 
was this the game or was it tomorrow or the next game where yeah it was the, uh it was this game right where he seemed to be struggling walks the first batter willie adamas comes over and gives him a a talking to and he settled back in and got out of the inning i thought that was really interesting and really cool that willie adamas uh showed that and just like leadership in the moment like good stuff there love to see that it was, uh, it was supposedly just like you're better than this come on and yeah and even he did settle in, but he did have maybe the wildest pitch I've seen him throw this season. Which yeah, was like the one that allowed the runner to get a second. Feet, full, multiple feet wide and out to the backstop. Like, no chance of uh, Contreras doing anything to stop it. So, but, you know, like, that's kind of good to see. <laughs> it's all right that when he has a day where he's doing that, that he can still, like, find enough. And we've talked about this a couple of times recently, but it's like, Abner is like working things out in a very professional way where it's like it doesn't just have to be his best stuff missing all bats. It's like we've seen him go out and put up zeros with, you know, playing to contact and a lot of ground balls. And honestly, that's become somewhat more of his overall profile, I think, to this point in the season. Um, but we know he can go out there and he can miss bats too. So he's kind of like we're seeing him look very, very complete and kind of do it all. And maybe to some extent, this was another extension of that, another addition to what he's already shown us in his arsenal. In the eighth, uh, the Brewers get a, another insurance run via Andrew Monasterio's sack fly to make it six to three. Uh, in the top of the ninth, Willie Adamas singles to score William Contreras to make it seven three. So the Brewers head to the ninth with a seven three lead. Andrew Chafin comes on, strikes out Lars Newtbar, walks Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Luke and Baker, then singles. Uh, so runners on the corners with one out. Concern was starting to set in, but Andrew Chafin, uh, double play machine? I don't know. Adam Nolan Arenado grounds into a double play. Uh, they go third to second to first to end the game. Brewers win seven to three. Did I miss any major takeaways from that game? The one thing that really stood out to me uh, was that uh, moment between Abner and Willie? It was it's uh, it's like the the good version of uh, what we talked about in Corbin's start last week, where Craig's standing on the top step of the, the dugout, being let or dugout dug house. What is that? Um, Mojo Dojo <laughs> Casa House. Anyway, um, being like figure it out. You're Corbin Burns. Willie Davis did his version of that. You're Abner Uribe, and he got it done. Yeah, I did. I mean, the double hit parade is the only other real thing that was a lot of fun to watch. That's the kind of thing when the Brewers can get that going, runs rack up, and they've been pretty good at it. That that was just a particularly aesthetically pleasing run when it's just double after double after double. It really was. Game three of this series, Adrian Hauser against Zach Thompson. Um, in the first inning, the Brewers tack or stake themselves to a three nothing lead early. Um, with William Contreras and Willie Adamas both on base. Josh Donaldson crushes a homer to left field. Uh, not the best series from Donaldson. Not the flashiest series. Um, I don't have his full numbers here yet. I'll grab those a little later. But, um, you know, we were like, can he add a little bit of pop to this Brewers lineup that desperately needs it? And on occasions, he's been able to do that. Uh, Adrian Hauser gets into... Um, a little bit of trouble in the first. A large new bar double is followed by Paul Goldschmidt single to make it three to one. But from that point on, Hauser really locked in 
and was just excellent. Tyrone Taylor hits a solo homer in the fourth to make it 4-1. Hauser's day overall goes six innings, four hits, one run earned on the first inning. Paul Goldschmidt single, two walks, four strikeouts, just 84 pitches. Really got the job done. Uh, Bryce Wilson comes on and throws a scoreless inning in relief um, with the score tied uh, or she's tied. What am I saying? With a score four to one in the eighth, a Richie Palacios single scores Jordan Walker off of Yol Piamps. He goes an inning, two hits, a run. Um, it was earned. His ERA up to two point five one on the year, which is by no means a bad number. But just uh, I think I saw J.R. Radcliffe tweet it. I should have had this stat more readily available. But is it true that Piamps has given up a hit in thirteen straight outings? Does that sound right? Um, obviously, the workload concerns are something that we've talked about a lot. I'll double-check that in a minute. But um, despite him allowing that run, uh, he would get out of the inning, and the Brewers would continue to tack on insurance runs. Uh, obviously, Adam, American Family Insurance Field, uh, Northwestern Mutual Insurance, the patch on the arm. Uh, is that the key to the Brewers being able to tack on insurance? I don't know. Uh, it's uh, it's it's definitely a factor. I think all of the insurance. Anyway, I'm just talking out of my ass. Um, Tyron Taylor. So just Homer, love saying it. saying insurance, dear Southern way. I do. I do. I love it. You just, uh, Tyron, it was almost like a record there for how many times you said it in like thirty seconds. All of the insurance in the ninth inning with the score, just like the Brewers and all their sponsors. You know, we we are contractually obligated though to just mention insurance as much as possible. Yes, we are shills. Um, Tyrone Taylor, homer to left, makes it 5-2. Then with the bases loaded, Mark Canna, who didn't have his best series, had a hit in every game, but wasn't just like putting up the Babe Ruth-esque performances we've expected from him, but nonetheless comes through with the bases loaded in the night, doubles down the left field line, scores Freelich, Perkins, and Monasterio. 8-2 Brewers. J.B. Bukowskis, it turns out he is allowed to pitch. Uh, which was great news. I didn't know if, if that was like some kind of MLB rule I didn't know about where J.B. Bukowski is not allowed to get into baseball games. But he looked good. An inning pitch, a strikeout, 11 pitches, closes down the game. Uh, I I was reading that he had replaced a four-seam fastball in previous seasons with a sinker this year and uh, looked pretty good. We'll see how it continues to trend. Uh, if he gets more opportunities, uh, they might be readily available as the Brewers clinch and try to provide rest for meaningful bullpen arms. So we'll see. And also if Elvis Piguero is not actually going to be back and ready for a wildcard series like they hope. Like if if I was uh Bukowskis, I'd certainly be not that you wouldn't be motivated anyway uh, for a major league opportunity, but if you really don't grab this one, you can find yourself in some pretty big spots like in a very short period of time um based on how the season was planning out for him. Um, Josh Nelson two for twelve for the series was his line that you were looking for, so not great. But you know, he does bring the rain, Andrew, and that is maybe what's most important to the Brewers. Just like I, I think you almost would have would have picked him up and said, "Okay, we'll find playing time for him if you could get to a place where it's like he can give you one home run a series, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it." Like he really, that's it. He's not gonna do anything else. Although I did see a couple of like nice defense plays. Um, yeah, he, he stuff made with some the nice plays. Third, so that's 
useful too. Um, not being a thing where you picked up a bat and it has to be a DH. So, look, I, I think that works out. They just need a little bit more pop at the moment. He's delivering that, which when you've got someone like Mark Hannes, who's come in and got on base so often and saw Freelick lives on base. And I, I just I think that that's working quite nicely. Um, he could either heat up and it could become more consistent or he could really crash and burn and that could just disappear entirely. I don't know if we want to dwell too much on this, but part of like the Brewers playoff prospects may hinge on that, like just how good or what the ceiling of this team is. Um, I think the crash and burn in the wildcard uh, against the, the wildcard winner will say, that's uh, that's probably a scenario if that was to happen and the Brewers to to go down really ugly, I could imagine like Josh Donaldson just striking out constantly, not getting on base at all, and we all come to bemoan that as, what is this guy out there? Look, what can you expect? And I think the flip side of that is if the Brewers can go off and knock off a couple of series and make a run towards getting to a World Series, um. I think it would be the opposite. We'll be like, oh, look at these Josh Johnson homers. So I don't know if that's going to make anyone feel comfortable. He really might be like the X factor for this team, though. Um, Just purely based on it's what they needed. We were already talking about it. It's like particularly at third base. Santana had helped them out at first. But at third, they needed some power. They needed some threat. They've got that, I guess. So... We'll see what he can do and how that will uh, contribute to the good or the bad of the Brewers in the postseason. Yeah, 114 OPS plus and 37 plate appearances. Um, two homers, two doubles, five walks. So just like, yeah, all right. He's he's kind of doing it. Um, and he did uh, get the day off today. So he did Andre Mon- Monasterio back at third, Bryce Serang in at second. So at the very least, he's he's giving them options and a little bit of a uh, little bit of production uh, via the long ball and the double and uh, throwing some glove, as you said. Like we were worried about the arm, uh, given some of the the rumblings about where that was early in the season. Uh, I think it was time the Discord stumbled across an article talking about where he had dead arm and. He was like, is that bad? That sounds bad. Uh, but yeah, he's got enough to get the ball over there. You mentioned trying the glove. Was that this series or was that the last one? But we've almost got to redefine how we use that after Santana literally had to throw his glove for the out. I can't remember if that was the Hauser. Maybe it was, and that was the previous. Uh... I can't remember either, but Santana, who had a tough series at the plate, also made a catch by... I guess a ledge in foul territory where he kind of <laughs> slithered across it after making the catch. That was nice. I liked that. Like that was, I liked that a lot. Um, His defense ultimately has advertised. There've been a couple of yeah. moments, but he's been great. Shall we move on to the final game of the series, Adam? Let's do it. Wade Miley against Miles Michaelis in the final game of the four game series. Um, Wade Miley again, Another excellent Wade Miley performance. Six innings pitch, three hits, uh, no runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. So feel, feeling a little frisky with missing bats uh, today, and that's what he did against the Cardinals, who just today they looked like they wanted to be anywhere other than a baseball stadium um, when standing in at the plate. 
against Wade Miley. Uh, Brewers get the scoring started off in the third. Blake Perkins with a homer to right field. Um, with Yelich out, he's been forced into more playing time. And uh, I, on the last episode, you know, I was I was very critical saying, you know, it doesn't really do much for me as a baseball player. But, you know, I'll tip my cap when you had a homer, Blake Perkins. Uh, good work there. In Did the he fifth, know I couldn't uh, watch this? Did he? Is that is that what happened there? Blake Perkins knew he, he could hit a homer. I wouldn't see the game and I'd have to do a podcast blind on it. Like, <laughs> if Blake Perkins hits a homer and I don't see it, did it really happen, Andrew? Uh, I can send you the highlights later. Uh, it was <laughs> it was very smooth. It was a very smooth swing. Uh, when it happened. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm listening. Credit to Blake Perkins. Uh, South Freelix singles in the fifth to score Bryce Serang. That makes it two nothing. Uh, in the sixth, under Monasterio singles to score Willie Adamas. That made it three nothing. And then the big blow in the sixth inning that put this game out of reach. Victor Caratini special three run bomb. Makes it 6 nothing. Rowdy Pleasant and Andre Monasterio were on base for him to drive them in. Uh, he's, he's Spoiler alert, he's going to get a beer later. Two for four in the series. It's the only game he played in. A run scored, obviously, because he had a homer. Three RBI, and then another single added on later. It's what Victor Caratini does when you put him in one game in a series. That's what he does. Um, Brewers, obviously, with that bigger lead, were able to go deeper into the bullpen. Uh, J.B. Bukowskis gets some work, allowed two hits in the inning, but did strike out two um, to get out of a jam. And then Julio Tehran, who we mentioned earlier, comes in and provides two scoreless, allowing a hit, but no runs, no walks, uh, no nothing. Didn't strike anyone out, which is not a surprise. We saw him go through a game where he pitched uh, dominantly without striking anyone out. So Julio Tehran uh, uh, back with the team. And even though we would not expect him, to factor into much of anything in the playoffs. Kind of just nice to see him throw one more time. I don't know, because like obviously he had the bad moments, but he was so valuable for a certain stretch of time when the Brewers needed big innings out of the starting rotation. So nice to see Julio again, even just on like a human level and appreciate him. Honestly, we'll see how he pitches and we'll see how often he's called upon and what happens with Piguero and what other decisions they want to make. Say what's someone like someone like Andrew Chafin, for example, got to think good news, bad news. We'll find out. But the Brewers clinching pretty early means he's going to get a lot of opportunity to pitch. And uh, he can prove that some of the recent stuff is real and keep his spot and maybe actually find himself with a role in the playoffs. Or he can blow all the way up and be sent on the first rocket out of Milwaukee. Um so we'll see. And if things like that happen, who knows? Like if Tehran has some good outings and relief consistently, we'll see. I, I'm i not opposed to that. And obviously that was part of the thing, wasn't it? Where he'd, he'd been in recent years too. It wasn't necessarily a lock that he was going to be a starting pitcher again. And that was one of the things when the Brewers kind of brought him in on pretty short notice and he had to go. It was like... It took him a bit of time to build back up to his uh, starting pitcher's workload. So maybe maybe they need to wind it back a little bit and, and work him to be a reliever. We'll see. I, I'm of the opinion, and I don't know, you might tell me this is more or less valuable in the postseason. I have always wanted this roster to be equipped with multiple, you know, multiple inning mid to long relief guys who 
like our high end can really deliver in a way that Bryce has this year. Like Bryce has taken a lot of garbage innings, but on occasions in like big games, close games, the Brewers need to win. They've got a lead. They're one run behind. He's going to perform those too. Uh, Aaron Ashby has always just kind of, that's to me, uh, now they're committed to making him a starter, largely because of the contract they've given. But that would have been the role if he had got himself back that he could have played. That's kind of open. It could be a Colin Ray role too. And obviously Adrian Hauser, we'll see what way. But I'm I'm open to the various options on that for the postseason. And you're probably right on Tehran, but if not, like if he can work into that, that'd be cool. Like, let's see him try. I'm open to it. Um I uh, yeah, here's where I was going with this. Sorry. I was looking something up to confirm it <laughs> before um moving on, but you mentioned Aaron Ashby. I miss that he is uh, headed to Nashville to continue his rehab. So obviously Biloxi season over. So Nashville still has, I guess, a few days to go now. Gosh, this week has flown by. Um, and I, I believe we did say it in the last pod, but for anyone who doesn't know, the Brewers have said, or as we report, Aaron Ashby will not pitch for the Brewers this season. So um, where there's still the wild card elements of, you know, who's Garrett Mitchell going to find himself up with the big loop team for the playoffs? What will happen to Piguero? Joey Weimer's down in Nashville. Could Tyler Black be called up? Out of that equation is Aaron Ashby. His season will finish when the sound season finishes, and it'll be about getting healthy and being a contributor next year. Uh, And no matter what happens with the postseason roster, um, if you ask yourself, is there a sicko in this world? who is going to be locked into all nine innings of the Colin Ray, Julio, Tehran piggyback start next week against the Cardinals. I am that man. Uh, shall we move to the leaderboard, Adam? Let's do it. All right, Master Brewer leaderboard. Through 153 games, does that sound right? Nine games left. Um, Freddie Peralta gets a beer. Adrian Hauser gets a beer. Wade Miley, Abner Uribe. Bryce Wilson, J.B. Bukowskis, Julio Tehran, Tyron Taylor, William Contreras, Sal Freelick, Andre Monasterio, Victor Caratini, Blake Perkins, and Willie Adams. Leaderboard through 153 games. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we'll give you the top level uh, best of the best. But before I go into this, Adam, this is another storyline for only us and pod listeners. There's a tie atop the Master Brewer leaderboard with a, with a week left in the season. Devin, Devin Williams, Williams needs some outings. He was robbed of yeah, an opportunity to go and get a save. Not his fault. Um, but here we are, Devin Williams and William Contreras with 33 beers. Feels right. It feels very right that these two would be locked head to head for this battle. Uh Christian Yelich next with 26. Yoel Pineapps, Corbin Burns, Willie Domas with 24, Hobie Milner with 23. GSBN.substack. Probably gonna send this out in the next. 30 minutes it's 8 48 central time so if you're subscribed it'll be in your inbox uh like i said what was that well i actually tell you well yeah do you like the pod in the because the pod is not going to be up because like, i do but there's like no good way to do that at this point given all right our, yeah our you, go for it. Yeah. you just you get it out for the yeah. people they'll catch i up. will i will tweet the pod um from from my cybersecurity conference uh in the middle of the morning when I'm like listening to someone talk about Andrew's gonna zero hack tru- the Brewers. That's what's happening here. I'm gonna be like, yeah, I know what zero trust architecture is. What do you mean? Do I look like I don't know what it means? Anyway, 
um, hotly contested battle atop the list. And again, you know, we reformed some things to make sure guys with specific roles, particularly Devin, uh, were given enough opportunity to be rewarded in our silly beer game. And I think it's it's shaken out in a way that feels pretty right to the way the season's gone. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do think if Contreras is to come and pip him to the post right at the end, it'll feel kind of right. I do feel like he's maybe been the Brewers' best player this season, though. Uh, and certainly those two guys are neck and neck. As we look ahead, Andrew, okay, so we're all focused on, you know, the Brewers keeping this winning thing going and closing this out as soon as possible. The week ahead does offer another possibility, though, which is maybe the funniest possibility from a Brewers perspective, um, which is that, as everyone will know by the time they listen to this, um, maybe we will too. It's top of the eight. They get some really fast movement here in the (laughs) game. We might find out, but Pirates currently lead the Cubs 3-1. If that holds and the Pirates win that game, um, the Cubs will be tied with the Marlins for the final wildcard spot. I don't know who has the tiebreaker there. Not sure if you do. I do Um, not know that either. At this point, I just think the Cubs are just going to lose and lose and lose. If the Brewers wanted to just say, you know what, it's not good to be rested like right into the playoffs, particularly you don't you don't want to take the last couple of series off. They want to rest up a little bit now. Uh they could have the Marlins just destroy the Cubs' lives. Um and the Cubs might just go and lose anyway. I'm not really suggesting this because you don't take anything for granted and you go win your games. But this is a really big series for the Marlins. Um and the Cubs I Things just feel like calamitous. Now, maybe the thing I say about that, that would be a funny scenario. It's also probably not the one we want. The Brewers should maybe go and crush the Marlins and be like, yeah, okay, the Cubs are the kind of team we want to be in this mix. We'd much rather play a team like the Cubs if that's how things were to fall. Um, It's also weird playing two of the possible opponents so close to the end yeah. of the playoffs and then you immediately go and play them. It's I, Brewers have I, a big I, impact I, on that and that's where shenanigans, this is this is kind of staple of late NBA season. You often see this with playoff seedings and matchups and it's like, oh, well, if we lose that game, we can avoid Team X or set ourselves up for Team Y. The Brewers could end up with control of a little bit of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's one of those things where every year, depending on where the Brewers are, is going to irrationally change my mind on playoff expansion. Because right now, I hate it. Brewers are going to win this division and then go have to play a three-game series. Hate that. I We should be in the division series. What is this expanded nonsense? And then watch next year, we get the third wild card on the last day of the season. And I'm like, this is great for baseball. More teams in contention. Uh, but right now, it doesn't feel feel very good. Um, yeah, like and you said, it's also that's also very tough in its current structure from a, a Brewers perspective. Because well, what's the future look like? Well, the future probably looks like the Braves and the Dodgers racking up big, big win totals and winning the other two divisions in the National League, and you just finding yourself in this spot every single year, even if you're winning a lot of games and you're close to them. Yeah, th- those two teams are. 
passing go and collecting $200 every year and being the one and two seeds and we're stuck on a railroad waiting for the train to cross and that train is the wild card series against uh, a, another feisty team that's flawed which is what this is shaping up as every year the cubs are going into this thinking uh, they've got so they've got three against colorado at home then they just dropped two or uh, two out of three to colorado last week like you got to win um they've they've got the braves and the brewers on the road after that like if the braves decide yeah. to play anyone they're screwed so this is it like you've got to win these three home games or your fate is so far out of your own hands. Also, if you say the Brewers win or Cubs finish off losing this game, Brewers win Friday. Cubs, you got that's a must win Friday as well because if you lose, then also the the Marlins might be getting the hungover Brewers on uh, Saturday who just spent the night drinking champagne and that's hitting South Beach. Point. I don't know. Yeah, that's a so great there's point. a lot a lot to juggle. Atlanta, we just saw what happens in the aftermath of you clinching your division. Did they get swept by the Marlins? Is is that what's like giving the Marlins a new jolt? There's just a lot at play as uh, all of these scenarios happen. We've talked about this before, and we'll look ahead. I'm every time we have time constraints, uh, we go long. This is just a thing every, that happens. I I said this to you the other day. Every pod is like routinely an hour and a half now, and that's just it's that time of year. I don't see another way to do that. We got to talk with the playoffs. Got to talk with everything else. Um. I think you and I have made it clear to ourselves we want no part of the snakes. Like don't don't bring them in front of us. Um I want the Giants. That's not gonna happen. I <laughs> think they're dead in the water. They're like what they're three games back of the final spot going into today when I was looking at that earlier. I haven't seen what they've done. Uh Cubs Marlins, I I would view equally. It's like either of them. If they get hot, as any team can, can beat the Brewers. But I think the Brewers go into any series against those two teams and, and be like, we're the top dog. We're not scared of you. Um, and that's just where I've come down with this. But I can't decide who I want more out of the Cubs or the Marlins because you've got the team in disarray versus the team whose run differential tells you some of these wins may be you know, a little, you know, how did this happen? This is kind of just a fluke. So it's really tough to balance those kind of competing thoughts i think i want the cubs but i understand people's nervousness and reluctance on that because if you were to lose that series to the cubs it's a lot more painful than losing it to the marlins which don't get me wrong yeah would be very painful and would be reflected on you know pretty deeply and uh a lot of consideration would go to what is this team what is wrong with them why are they losing to the marlins it doesn't come with you know the Marlins lording it over you though into next season and you having to possibly deal with bunches of Miami fans in your stadium celebrating it or anything like that. <laughs> um and yeah, I don't know. On the other hand, um Miami has dealt Milwaukee speedy playoff exits uh in a different sport not too long ago. And I would I would like to think this would be the flip side of that, and the Brewers could at least do their part to avenge uh, their minority owner Yanis Antetokounmpo. But I do I do we'll need to see. give you credit because you did a thing that I did earlier this year, which is you had so much just kind of like momentum as a hater that you uh, made someone perform poorly. I did this with Andrew Abbott, who's uh, 
now ERA is reflective of a decent, you know, starting pitcher. Steel, it's up in, right? This is steel. It's up in the high. It's up in the high threes. Uh, you did that, Justin Steele, who yeah. just got absolutely hammered this week. Zach Gallon had a weird week. He gave up like five runs in five innings. Uh, the difference Schreier is though, up... I feel Zach Gallon is real. Like this is a, more of a track record of him being like the best version of himself. Like, oh yeah, clearly. yeah, absolutely. Oh, I agree. I if you if you're telling me which one of those two I want to see in a playoff game, I want to see Steele a lot more than I want to see Gallon for sure. But this was, I was kind of going way off, not in the point, but. Everyone in the National League Cy Young race is just like backing up for Blake Snell, and then he goes and throws seven shutout innings uh, for a meaningless Padres team. It's very funny. Um, Woody Woody but, would have walked that this year if he didn't get injured. Like I know that was that was one of our predictions and something we talked about, but I actually do think in reality, even factoring in, it wouldn't necessarily be as good as it has been in the the limited times we've seen him this year. The room he would have had to drop off on that, I think Woody would have cruised to. And I'll say young this year if it wasn't for the, the injury. Yeah, I agree. Um, Spencer Strider had such a weird year where he's just striking out people for fun, but also like has one big inning in a lot of starts, and that makes his ERA higher than it would be. So it's going to be funny to see just like the people, uh, like how it shakes out with what they value in the NL Cy Young voting. But yeah, I'd rather see Steele over Gallon for sure. And just like the snakes are terrifying. But anyway, three against Miami. Uh, Friday, September 22nd, a 540 Central start. So get home from work quickly. Um, Corbin Burns against blank space in this current Mm -hmm. uh, grid that I've got. Uh, Saturday, September 23rd, 310 Central start. Brandon Woodruff against Jesus Lazardo. And then 1240 Central start on Sunday, September 24th, Freddy Peralta versus Edward Cabrera. Then three against the Cardinals, three against the Cubs. Hopefully the Brewers uh, can clinch this weekend. Obviously, they can take care of that as as soon as, well, depending on how this Cubs game shakes out right now, they can take care of it as soon as, oh, it's 5-1 now. So uh, seeming likely that they can take care of it with either back-to-back wins in the first two games of the series or a win tomorrow and a Cubs loss to the Rockies. Uh, you know, I really like, and I was talking about who the Brewers might play and do we want the Cubs, do we not want the Cubs? We really just might be barking up the wrong tree. I I think that could be the Reds. Like mm. um the Reds are about to be a half game back. Um they have a series coming up with the Pirates that I mean the Pirates could be tricky, but I would back the Reds over the Pirates as opposed to the Cubs. Then they've got two against the Guardians, three against the Cardinals to finish the season. This is a like it's a big opportunity for a young team. I think it could be there for them. That that last wildcard spot could be theirs with one the Cubs schedule and just what they're doing to themselves, how they're falling off. So it really could be the Reds who work their way into that final spot. Uh I kind of don't like that because I think they're too stupid to realize they shouldn't be there. And I don't like running into something like that in a playoff yeah, series. They could be a buzzsaw. They could be having so much fun that just things start to happen. But like they I, they go out and win a three game series, and then the Dodgers remind them what life is actually like. But like just the nature of these playoffs makes it kind of scary. Like the the Cubs are drowning. Like the Cubs are in free fall, and it's not just like oh they've had a bad week. Like this is sustained for a little while now. I don't know how they can put an end to that and do what they need to do to just see this thing over the line. So with the schedules though they are for both teams, 
I mean, I guess what could if the Brewers have everything all wrapped up and they do decide to go rest heavy and the Cubs could uh I guess I don't know, come to Anfam and sweep the Brewers to finish the season or something. But like they, they may well be relying on that kind of look in facing the Braves and Brewers. They just need those two teams to have nothing to play for. So again then. Is it in the Cubs' interest to you know, lose a couple in the short term to win three in the long term? Uh, you'd certainly, if you were from Chicago at this point, I think the division is well and truly gone. You need the Brewers to wrap that up and hope that you get some luck on the other side of it. This is uh, this is why sometimes uh, we can tend to go on tangents about, well, damn, that June loss to what's their name really came back to bite you. <laughs> Don't matter. We we saw firsthand last year. Um, yeah. I, I honestly, Cubs this year, not quite the extreme of Brewers last year, but there are some similarities. I think to how they're performing coming right to the finish line, and in that case, the Brewers ended up, yeah, I think a couple of games off of it. Um, same could happen here. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, um, the one thing that is true, Brewers are good, Brewers fun. They sure are. All right, that does it for us for this episode. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. That's cruising for a bruising. Got three series left to have pods on all of them, and then we'll be all set for a Brewers playoff run. Of course, you should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. We've got the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed home to all things Milwaukee Books. We've got Talk of the Tundra for everything Green Bay Packers. And we've got Make Time for This with myself, Andrew, for pop culture, some other sports, movies mostly, TV in there. We do different things. Concert films next week or is that the week after? I think it's the week after because we may want to have more than just you and I involved. So that might have to wait another week. But we'll see. Um, Yeah. That's pretty much everything. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.